Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Sounds like you're still in a bit of a turkey coma. Let's try again. How are we doing? Oh, that's better. That's better. Okay, good. Well, I hope you had a nice uh, Thanksgiving. Can you believe Advent's here? Hopefully you didn't go from a nice restful day on Thursday to trampling someone at Walmart on Friday. I didn't see anyone here in the news, so that's good. Um, You know, as we we have our last message in in Leviticus, um, I haven't done this really too much since uh, the pandemic, but we're going to get back to it. We're going to need a volunteer, and I've already chosen Connor to come on up. Let's hear for Connor. Come on. A little quicker, just a little quicker. All right, here we go. There, that's better. That's good. Now we go. All right, this is Connor. Connor, I'm not going to make you eat anything gross or anything like that. I just want you to face. See that Christmas tree right there? Mm-hmm. All right. And in, in a second, I'm just going to ask you to just slowly but surely, just your goal is to walk towards that Christmas tree. Okay? Simple enough. Eyes open? Eyes open. Yeah, eyes open. No, it's a good question. It does seem too simple, right? It's, it, it is pretty simple, right? All right, so everybody ready? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Before you do that, I just want to show you. Look, I know you like, see this guitar right there? You want to play it? You love it. Come on. All right, all right. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This Advent candle. You want to light some more candles? Come on, you love the piano. Man, it's like trying to, he's like, a, oh, my goodness. You win. You win now. Good job. See? Now, Connor represents all of us, right? And this is what we kind of want to talk about today is that God calls us in a simple direction to follow him, right? But there's lots of things in life, and Connor did a great job knowing I'm not going to fall for that, right? But little shiny things that say, I need that, and kind of veer us off course. And so today we just want to talk about kingdom direction, a direction that God calls us to. All right. Good job, man. Thanks a lot. You can go hide. So before we go to the word today, let's, let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for Connor, my friend. I thank you that he's willing to stand up in front of all these people and, and do that and represent that. Thank you for him. Thank you for our worship team. and um, Thank you for uh, James and Allison and, and leading us through the Advent wreath. All the people downstairs and, and right now with our kids. and Just so thankful for our church family, Lord. Um, what a blessing. Uh, that, that you've given us and certainly given me. And I pray that this time, Lord, would be about you, that you would teach us through your word, that you would just show us simply and call us um, back to where we've wandered off to the direction uh, that you want us on, Lord, that simple direction, just following you with everything that we have. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, if you've been with us, we've been going through the uh, gospel in Leviticus, right? So the book of Leviticus, I want to, this is our last uh, message. We've been doing one message on each of the eight sections, and here we are, the final one, and I do want to, again, thank you for being an awesome church, allowing me to preach through things that are like, really, Leviticus? Um, all the books say, keep it topical, keep it trendy, and I'm just not wired that way, uh, in case you didn't notice, so uh, I'm thankful that that at least most of you, unless you're dragged here by somebody, uh, want that, right? Want to get in-depth in some topics that sometimes are hard. You know, talking about 
animal sacrifices and blood and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's been uh, good. It's been a good study for me. I hope, hope it has been for you. So what we're going to start next week is, I don't always do this, but we're going to go into Advent. Um, and you might say, well, Jamie, we started Advent this week. And I wish, I wish I had a real great spiritual answer for you why I did that. But actually, I just miscounted when I planned this out. <laughs> and uh, I thought Advent started next week. So when it came up in our staff meeting a couple weeks ago, I was like, no, no, that can't be right. And it was right. So that's Jamie's math skills for you. Uh, but it ended up working out pretty well. And I bring that up because you may have already seen or you're on our email um, we have a devotion for you uh, that goes along with the, with the sermon series, and those are out in the welcome desk if you want a copy of that. We're also devoting a page on our website. Uh, it's going to be um, an Advent page that will have the devotion there if you want. It will also have um, videos that go each week with it. Uh, it's, it's designed really to do it by yourself or as a family, even kids. If you have really young kids, you just have to change up maybe some of the questions so they understand it. But it's really not a hardcore, like, hours-long Bible study. It's just a time to carve out and say, Let's, this is Advent. Let's not get crazy. Let's make sure we keep... Um, the main priority, uh, the main priority, right? So hopefully that will be a blessing to you, and then we'll, we'll go through some of that text on the weekend uh, gatherings uh, starting next week. But this week, it's Leviticus, right? And, and so as I went through the eighth section, which is Leviticus chapters 26 and 27, um, I, I kind of saw why maybe I was going to skip this week, to be honest, as I read it and studied it and said, what am I going to preach on? And I don't know if any of you read it, uh, but it's, it's, it's tough to say what this would, would, would mean to us. And, and, and yet, as I did that, a few themes uh, rose to the top that I wanted to, uh, uh, to, to bring before you today that I think despite our very different context, right, we're not Israel, we're, we're the church, we're under the new covenant, right, as, as Darren said in his elder prayer, right, by the blood of Christ, and, and, and yet there are some themes, just as we've seen throughout this series, about who God is, who we are. Um, God is holy, and yet he wants to be present with us. And so there's some, some things that I, that I uh, three things mainly that I think come out of these chapters. Chapter uh, 26 is really just, uh, it actually most scholars say it's the perfect ending to Leviticus, right? Because most ancient Near East treaties or covenants, they would have at the very end the lawgiver, who in this case is God, and then you'd have the, the, those given the law, the people, there would be this, uh, if you do the law, here's how you will be blessed. And if you don't, here's how you will be cursed or punished. And the curse section was almost always much longer. In chapter 26, it's exactly what's happening. God says, if you do what I've told you to do, you're going to be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be cursed. And so it almost seems like a perfect ending to it, except we have chapter 27. And uh, some think, oh, maybe that was uh, kind of added on later, or maybe it was misplaced, and they, sh- you know, all these theories that we have no evidence for. So we take it as we have it, for whatever reason, chapter 27, God goes through this thing called oaths or promises before him, all right? So here's, and I'm going to deal with uh, something I see in chapter 27 first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack. And so this is how uh, he begins chapter 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, If anyone makes a special vow 
to the Lord, okay? So this was big for them, and really not in the same way, but have you ever, have you ever uh, um, bargained with God? God, if you just do this thing, I promise I'll go to church every week, right? Or I'll read my Bible or something. It often will happen if, if we desperately need a job or someone we love is sick, and, and we just, right? And so they would do that, except they would really put money or land or homes or property or something on the line and make a vow before the Lord. And so this whole section is God saying, hey, this is serious. Don't make a vow either to me or to someone else and use my name uh, unless you're going to do it, right? There has to be real integrity behind it. And, and so to do that, he would put up all, and chapter 27 gives us all kinds of different rules and situations, which we won't go through. But here's just a, a couple of, um, uh, kind of shows you how serious it is. Verse 13 is talking about an animal that, that, if, that if you vow to the Lord, and, and then God says this in verse 13, but if he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to the valuation. So what he's saying there is, if you made a vow to this animal, you're going to give to God, if, right? And then later on you're like, eh, I don't think I want to give that animal. God says, well, that's fine. You have to give the value monetarily of that animal plus 20%. Right? So he's, he's trying to get them to realize, don't mess around with this. Right? Again, uh, he's talking now about land. And in verse 15, and if the donor wishes to redeem his house, he shall add a fifth to the valuation price, and it shall be his, right? So again, add 20%. And, and, and this whole chapter are very precise rules around making oaths and promises to God, before God, to one another, right? To say, have you ever said, I, I, I swear, I swear to God I'll do that. Like, first of all, don't do that, right? But if you ever do, make it to me, what we can learn from this is promises, especially before God, covenants before God, are serious business, Right? And, and so, though we're in a different setting and we're not Israel standing before God receiving the, the, the law, I, I think there's something that we can learn, and that is what we'll call kingdom, or the way God wants it, integrity. Integrity. And so, uh, when we make a promise, it means what we say is what we're actually intending to do. Two things on integrity. One, I know I can do it, right? I'm not promising something I, I can't do. And two, I have every intention of prioritizing and carrying out, right, to have kingdom integrity. Now, the, the word integrity, what does that mean? Like if, if, if you say, all right, I have integrity. It's kind of like if you're going to go buy a house um, and you're looking at houses, right, and you see this one, man, it looks beautiful, beautiful manicured lawn, Love the paint, love the, 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 the shutters, and I like that deck that comes up, you know, whatever. And you're like, this is a great house, right? And so you have the, the, the building inspector come in, and the inspector looks, says, um, all the foundation's cracked and sagging, and all of the floors are about to cave in. You probably wouldn't buy that house. Why? It doesn't have integrity, right? The integrity is that the inside actually matches what it's trying to project. Maybe this will resonate a little bit more, especially for, for parents. Um, I don't know when it happens when all of a sudden your kids re reach an age where you don't, they don't ask to have a snack anymore. I'm not really, there was never really a thing in our house. All of a sudden, my grocery bill went up 1,000%, right? And, and so this, this happens. So when I ever go for, you know, I just, man, I, I just want some goldfish crackers, right? I, who doesn't love a good a good goldfish cracker, right? And, and I'll go into the pantry, and there it's sitting there, right? And, and it's actually closed because for some reason my, 
my kids think that it needs air, right, to, to make the snack better, and they leave everything wide open. It's actually closed, and I'm like, oh, man, it's something for me. And I open it up, right, and oh, my gosh. Has this ever happened to any, anyone else? Anyone? No? Wives, your husbands do this too, right? Let's face it, okay? And, and, and you're like, no, right? The promise of the goldfish is empty. There is no integrity to this. Right? So this is what when I th- when you think about kingdom integrity, think about the goldfish box, okay? Like, is, is, am I promising something before God or to someone else, but it's empty? That's lacking integrity. Um, we, 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 so the question is, okay, because Israel would make vows before God. Do we still do that as Christians? Do we make vows before God? And the answer to that is actually yes. There's a few things we do. One uh, that I thought of, an example, is Christian marriage. Right, I'm talking about Christian marriage. I'm not talking, you know, the justice of the peace out in the lake. I'm saying that wherever you are, you come before God in the vows. You make vows before God to love your wife, love your husband, right, no matter what. Right here that I'm standing, Heather and I, well, 23 and a half years ago, um, did that. We made vows before people. Some of you, a few of you probably were even, even there. Um, and, and we made vows before the pastor, which was Mel Hansen at the time. And, but really, we were making our vows before God, weren't we? And so that's why it's really important. When I, when I take uh, premarital people through quite a bit, I'm telling them all the time, you don't need me for the day. Like, I'm glad to be there. It's an awesome day. Everyone's dressed up and eating well and laughing and celebrating. The wedding day's awesome. But I'm preparing you for the next day and the year after and 10 years after when things aren't as nice, things aren't as good because you're making a vow before God. You're committed to that. And so I said, don't do that if you don't mean it. A, you believe this is the person, and B, you have every intention of prioritizing that marriage, because that's a covenant before God. How about believer's baptism? When we open the tank and, and, and people uh, uh, get, they don't just get dunked in water, they are saying something. If you've ever done that, you're saying something. It's a beautiful thing. I identify with the, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And whenever we ask them, what do we say? Is he your Savior? Yes. Is he your Lord? Yes. So what you're saying in front of God is, I'm going to do my best, like Connor did towards the tree. Follow Christ as Lord. That's a covenant promise we make, right? I think you should be, have a believer's baptism, but don't do it if you have no intention of trying to follow through on that, right? Um, there's there's a, a few weeks ago, we had a baby dedication. Parents were making a vow to God, saying, we're going to do everything we can to raise these kids up in the Lord. And those of you who are here as a church, we also made a promise to God. We are going to help them. You should not voice that if you have no intention of caring at all about helping those parents raise those kids in Christ. Because God says it's serious. Sometimes we'll set aside our budget and say, hey, we're going to give financially, right? That's a vow you're making. And, and, and things happen, right? Whether it's personally or to God, things can change. But when you're making it, it's got to be serious. Don't, don't get, be like, oh, I promise I'll do this. And have no intention. It's like, oh, God will understand. Well, he's a gracious God, but he wants us to take it very serious, to have integrity. Right? Now, how about to one another? Because they would do that too. They would promise on something. Make an oath. I'll do it. I promise. I'll, I'll put a, I, I promise on right, the Lord. I swear to God. Or I swear on my mother's grave. Or something like that. Right? Well, we do those things. And Jesus had actually something to say about that. 
in his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. He says, again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. It's kind of referring to Leviticus there, isn't he? But I say to you, Jesus said, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, because they would do this, they would say, I swear on heaven, right? Uh, For it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So integrity, kingdom integrity, is just being known as someone, your yes is yes. Your no is no, right? So there's two things with that, as I've already said. One, with integrity. I can do that. So if you were to ask me to come and help build a shed, right, and I say yes to that, that's lacking integrity because if you know me, you don't want me anywhere near that project. If you want me to come and pray over that shed or something like that, I'm in. But you don't want me to have a hammer, right? So by saying yes, I'm actually lacking integrity because I know I can't do that. It's just not a skill that I possess, right? right? Or, and if I can do it, then the second is I actually intend to do it, right? And, and so uh, integrity just says, he says it's evil if you, have to, if, if you have to tell people, no, 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 really, 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 I swear. What are you actually saying? That before, I didn't really mean it, right? Oh, I swear, I'll do it, right? And you got your fingers crossed or something like that. And, and so Jesus is like, become somebody who's just known your yes is yes, And your no is no. So kingdom integrity that I think this whole chapter on odes um, brings out that we can learn is, is first of all, it outlaws any kind of, just like in the law, lying, purposefully misrepresenting. Yeah, I'll do that, sure. Or, you know, whatever, that that lie, it obviously outlaws that, right? And I don't think I have to go into detail. if, If you've been, if you're a Christian, you should know by now that lying is sin. It is not what God wants from us. But there's another uh, piece that we fall into with this. I know I do. Any people pleasers in the room? Go ahead, raise your hand. You're kind of personal. Like you, always, you just want everyone to be happy. Some of you are, I'm the opposite of that, man. Well, okay, I get it. We'll deal with you later. All right? But, but if you're like me, man, I just want, I always want to say yes. I just do, right? I don't, like whether it's my kids or my wife or any of you, I don't want anyone to be unhappy. And I think a lot of that is a gift in pastoring, right? You, you want to help people. But it also can be a weakness because sometimes you can say yes to things that you shouldn't be saying yes to. Either A, you have no business doing that, or B, you don't have the capacity for it. And so it's hard because you disappoint people when you're like, like no, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. People are like, well, you're a pastor. You only work on Sundays. What's wrong with you, right? And, and it's like, I, I can't do that. You'd rather, though, wouldn't you be disappointed in that moment and then I or your help, you, you know, whatever the situation is, well, let's help figure out who might be able to help you instead of me with that. Wouldn't you rather that than me say yes, knowing I'm going to make up an excuse at the last minute and not do that because I can't. I don't have the time. It's going to come to that time. You're like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? You see, that's why even if, you're, if, if you have a tendency to always want to say yes, really pray about that, that kingdom integrity. Is this what the Lord would call me into? Because if I say yes to all this stuff that I can't do or I shouldn't be doing, then I can't say yes to the things that the Lord has called me to do. And that might be whatever season you're in. 
uh, to be committed to your marriage or raising your kids or whatever ministry God has you in or your job, whatever it is. If we're, if we're constantly trying to please people, our yes and no's become very uh, convoluted. And, and so I think that is a big thing to remember with this, with integrity. That's where I sometimes get tripped up, and I'm sure there's a few of you that join me in that. And so I just think kingdom integrity is just that, that our, um, our, our uh, uh, insides match our outsides, right? The, that, that idea of kingdom integrity. And so uh, that's all I had for chapter 27. That's all I could really come up with what the Lord showed me. So I just want to, before we go, backtrack to chapter 26, all right? And, and chapter 26 is the blessing and curses section. Um, and I'll pull up this. It starts in, in verse 3. And so remember Leviticus is just the God, the lawgiver, is giving the law to the people. They're going to enter the promised land. I want you to, right, simple. Like, don't be like everyone else. I'm calling you to live this way. Follow me. Trust me. Kind of like, remember, Connor, look at me. Instead of a tree, you're looking at the Lord. You're looking at the law. Don't look at all the other shiny toys and say, well, I need this. I need that. And if you do, these are the blessings that are going to come. And so he says this. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your reins in their season. And the land shall yield its increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And that begins the blessing section. It's not as big as the curse section, as I already said. And there's really three main categories of blessings. I won't read them all for you. Um, but first you do see in that is that if you trust me when you get, because they were an agricultural community, right? If you trust me, I will bless you with resources. You will, have, you will not have droughts. You will not have famines. I'm God. I'm going to take care of you. I got you. Your needs are going to be met. The second is security. You're going to have victory over your enemies, right? You're not going to lose any battles. I'm, I'm the Lord. I'm with you. You're, you're good. You don't have to be afraid of <clears throat> the enemies that might come and take your land or come and, and take you and make you slaves. And, that, and those two, I think, were the ones that, that we tend to focus on, right? My, my needs are met. And, and I'm sure they did too, or I'm secure, right? But the third blessing is the one maybe they missed. That was the best one. The Lord said, if you follow me, it's a covenant. If you, if, you, if you follow me, I will be with you. Presence, God's presence in a special way. No one else had this. He's like, I'm going to go with you. And I'll bless you. I'll be with you. If you just do this, don't, don't look to the left or to the right. And, and if you look, and, and you can read in the Old Testament, obviously, the whole after this, there's a whole history of Israel. And most of the time, they didn't, right? But there were seasons where they did. You read the book of Joshua, where they go into the promised land. Or God gave them victory, gave them land. He was with them in a special way. You look at the seasons where King David, King Solomon, kings like Josiah, where they're, they're following the Lord, and God blessed them. Land increase, abundance, right? All the, exactly what he promised. They did what, he, what he's calling them to do, and he blessed them. But most of the time, it was more the curse section. And the curse section um, kind of starts this way, verse 14. 
But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. And now there comes a lengthy section of here's the curses. If you don't, right? And, and again, I won't read through all of those, but here's the categories. Sudden terror. I don't think anyone's looking for that. Sudden terror is anytime you're away from the presence of God. Terror, realizing what am I going to do? Two, physical disease. Three, drought and famine, the opposite of the blessings, right? Drought and famine. Four, plagues and wild beasts. Five, war, where God uses enemy nations to judge them. And you see that, even the prophet Isaiah, he says, look, when he's talking about Babylon coming to conquer them, he, Babylon is the sword of God. And they should have remembered Leviticus. They should have remembered, oh yeah, God said, if we don't trust him, we don't walk after him, eventually he's going to use other nations to conquer us. Again, the exact opposite of what was in the blessing section. Eight, um, or six, I should say, famine resulting from war. You see that if you read through the history of Israel where they're under siege by Babylon and they have no food and they're starving. They're starving. And then seven, cannibalism. That was a fun one if you read the reading for this week, right? Mothers will eat their children. And that seems gruesome, but it happened. When under that siege, that actually happened. That's how bad it got. Eight, destruction of cities. Even the temple eventually was destroyed because of their disobedience to the covenant. And lastly, number nine, exile. You will actually be away from the promised land and in foreign places. And if you read the history of Israel, all these things happened, didn't it? All the way right down to the last one where they were exiled to Babylon because they were not following the covenant. And so much of this is not for the Christian, right? Because this was very specific time and place for this nation of Israel, promised land. Okay, and, and, and so sometimes you'll hear pastors really misrepresenting them. God wants you to have abundance of blessings, and they use one of these verses. They never seem to go to the curse section, by the way, of sudden terror or anything like that. But this was, not, this was the, the, the old covenant and, and was linked to the promised land. But for God's people, the church, who we are under the new covenant, there are some things really to learn. And, and, and in here, what I, I just want you to, uh, to, to, to bring out for you is kingdom priority. Because that's ultimately in this section, this whole thing, what God is saying, right? Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't say, but I need this. Don't go back and say, but God, I really need this. Just do what I say. Watch me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep it simple. And it is. That's why Connor said, do I keep my eyes open, right? It's a good question. Because he's like, this is kind of a simple exercise you're making me do. And really, simple is not always easy, right? In fact, they're not, they're not synonyms at all. What is simple is often very, very challenging for us. Just trust me. Just keep your priorities in all the different phases of your life. You're called to follow the Lord. And that's all God was saying. I will bless you. Don't worry over there and over there. I got this. Right? I will bless you if you just trust me. But we'll do the same thing. But Jamie, I need food. But Lord, I, I, if I just have a bigger house, if I just have a better job, if I just have more money, if I just have a better relationship, if I just get married, if I was just single, right? And we're always thinking, I need this, I need that. And the Lord's like, why don't you just keep it simple and follow me? Do what I say. Do what I say. 
kingdom priority. This is again in Sermon on the Mount how Jesus put it. He says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. What is he saying there? He's saying, I, we got, I, Jesus like, I got you. Keep it simple. And now, it, it, he's actually saying in a similar way for the Christian is all the blessings you need will be given to you. The, prom, the, the problem is, unlike the first covenant, this is not just tied to here. These are eternal promises. They're partially fulfilled here. You will, I promise you, you will never see a more happy, satisfied person who is actually doing everything they can do to follow Christ. They might not have a lot of money. They might not have all the fame and all the followers and all whatever. But man, you're like, why are they so joyful? Because they're trusting Christ. And he's blessing them in ways that maybe you can't see. But that's what Jesus promised. That, that you, you don't need, if you're constantly going, veering off from what God wants, I'll just cut this corner because I need this money. I'll just cut this corner because I really want to get married. I'll just cut the, right? He's saying, no, no, no. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and who you marry. Seek first the kingdom and how you do marriage. Seek first the kingdom, how you do singleness. And how, how, you, how you handle your money. And how you deal with your neighbor, neighbor and how you post online. Right? How you treat people. Like, how does God want me to do it? Isn't that so simple? How many screw it up, though? Oh, just me? Okay. We all do, right? But, but that's the call is to get back to say, kingdom priority says, what do you want, Lord? Right? And that's all Jesus is saying here. And I really think that's all God was saying is, is the blessings will come. And, and the beautiful thing for the, for the Christian is, is that, that the blessings are eternal. They're blessings upon blessing. The, the New Testament's full of places where you will receive reward for following Christ. That you're gonna, we're we're going to be shocked at who's at the head of the table. Right? I think. People are like, I never heard of that person. Right? But Jesus, man, they sought first the kingdom in their life. And the blessings are upon blessings for all of eternity. That's the simple call. And so the question for you is what area of your life has gotten veered off? That's all. It's kind of gone to the left or to the right. I want to follow the Lord in that, Jamie, but I, I really haven't. And just be honest, God already knows. So in, in, in a few minutes in our prayer time, I'm just going to give you a, sp- a spot to just say, Lord, I, and confess it and come back to him. Because here's how I want us to wrap up this whole series in chapter 26. And that is the gospel of Leviticus is that what ended up happening is this is where I left off, right, is the, the curse section, exile. And, and if you, you look at um, in the, the history of, of Israel, they, they, they went into exile in Babylon. And it's full of weeping and mourning. And this is why. They believed because everything that they trusted God for was tied into the promised land and the temple and all of that. It's like, what do we have now? God has abandoned us. It's over. We've finally gone too far. He's finally done with us in the covenant that we had with him. The problem is they never, maybe they didn't read enough that last section of Leviticus chapter 26. This is how God wraps this chapter up. He says, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, 
and their treachery that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, right, again, exile, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. And he continues, and going ahead to verse 45, but I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt and the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, I am the Lord. I know that's a lot, but here's what God's saying in that section of Leviticus. You'll be in exile, you'll be judged, you're under that curse because you didn't follow the law. But here's the thing, even then, if you would just humble yourself and turn back to me, I will remember my covenant with you. That's called grace. The covenant of grace. God, I'm pulling you back even from the furthest depths of exile. And the prophets during that time of exile, they were, that was their main message, was constantly like, it's not over. God is still God. You just turn back. We screwed up, but let's turn back to him. Right? You can read lots of different um, prophets in that time just preaching this, this future time where they called the Messianic Age, where, where people will return because of this Messiah who will deliver them and save them, right? And my favorite, and this is the only one I'll give you, right? But, but I could give you others. My favorite, one of my favorites is Ezekiel 36. Look what Ezekiel said to them in exile, under the curse of the law. He says this about the future time, the messianic age. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you I will give, that's grace, gift. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God, and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And so that promise for God's people under that covenant, they saw it again as a return to the promised land and a return and a, a better time, the messianic age, and partially it was fulfilled. They did return. The temple was rebuilt, right? But we all know now, looking back, is that what that promise of God was is that there would be a new covenant made by grace. That God says, you, you constantly screwed it up. Every time you're trying to follow the law, because you had an uncircumcised heart, a heart of stone, you're in chains to your own sin. And so you wanted to follow me sometimes, but you, you, you just kept failing. Every time, it just crumbled. He said, but a time, Ezekiel says, there will be a time where a new covenant will be made. Those chains will be gone because I'm going to remove it. I'm going to cleanse you. Right? He's talking about the cross that we've seen throughout this series, that the blood of Christ is what cleanses you. He now cleanses you. You don't cleanse yourself. He cleanses you by grace. And not only that, I'm going to give you a new heart. That means you're born again. I'm going to give you my spirit. Like if you're in Christ right now, you have the spirit within you. 
So now, when you're that simple exercise of following the Lord, you can do it. Why? Because he's given you a new heart. He's given you a new spirit. He's cleansed you all by grace. The new covenant. That's what all of this pointed to. And, and, and if you remember those blessings in Leviticus, those three blessings, the one that I said was the best, the presence of God, I want you to hear this as a, as, as a Christian. The very last thing that Jesus promised, promised, right? In his great commission, he says this, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We're still called in, by grace to do what he says, right? But what was that, that last promise that Jesus made? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's, look, that's a promise. I know you, some of you have heard that, read that verse a million times. I step back and hear it again for the first time. Jesus has promised you, Christian, I am always with you till the end of the age. What does that mean? I'm with you till I'm with you. That's all that means, till I come back. And so he says, all, I'm with you. You are never, ever, ever alone. And then he's like, Jamie, I, I eat a lot of meals by myself. You're never alone. He's with you. I feel this great weight of anxiety or this, this just, uh, this, the, the, the life is just closing in on me. You are not alone. I feel like I've been rejected by somebody or by people and I just don't know where my place is. If you're in Christ, you're never alone. He's promised you, I'm with you. You got my spirit, you got a new heart, and I'm present with you. This, by grace, means you're never going to lose that. That no matter where you go, Jesus goes with you. And let me ask you, if, if you're not a Christian, doesn't that sound like a better deal than the world offers? Hey, give it your best shot. Go get whatever pleasure and comfort that you can right now and try to make yourself this really, really happy life. And if you've tried it, you already know how much it pales in comparison to the love of Christ. And it just, he, he says, by faith, I've given, Jesus, I've given you all you need. And some of you have been struggling and you're like, not ready to, 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 to put your faith in Christ, and you're just like, no, I, 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 you know, I'm never coming to church again, and then here you are again, right? You know what, because I believe this firmly, as the Bible teaches this, God is rescuing you, and you aren't going to win. That's like a, have you ever seen a little toddler trying to get away from, you know, it was like 25 pounds trying to get away from his 250-pound father, right? Dad's got him. He's trying to run out into traffic. Let me go. Let me go. He ain't going anywhere. Let's go, right? That's what God's doing to you right now. So, man, just make it easier on yourself and just say, all right, you love me anyway. The world's not working out. By grace, he will give you a new heart, a new spirit. You will never be alone. The Lord Jesus Christ has made a promise, and he has kingdom integrity. He will always keep his promise. And whatever you, you're going through, if you are a, a, a Christian, man, I want you to just be encouraged that he's given you the ability to follow him, to simply say, what area of life am I not following him? I can, by his strength, he goes with me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite our worship team up, spend a couple minutes in prayer about those three, three areas. All right? So, so uh, if, you, if you can, close your eyes. If you don't want watching a kid or something else. Take a deep breath. 
Don't start thinking about what's going to happen next. Just let this be a time before the Lord. And first thing I just want you to think about is that kingdom integrity that we talked about. Where in what area of your life might you be the empty goldfish box? That's a hard thing to face. Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to us. A place where our yeses are not our yeses. Our noes are not our noes. We're projecting something. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to just repent of that, confess it before you, and know the beautiful forgiveness found by your grace. And that when we leave here with a full intent, by the power of your gospel, to have integrity in that area from now on, to simply follow you. How about kingdom priority? What area of your life just hasn't been a priority of the Lord? What's grabbed your attention? Is it that extra pay raise or some relationship in your life? What, what, what has grabbed you and kept you from doing what the Lord has called you into? Lord, I, I pray you lead us to a time of confession. Show us those areas. That we'd be honest before you. And that we would know your forgiveness and your love. Lord, as we leave here, that we would just know you go with us. May our priority be you. And Father, I pray for kingdom grace. I ask for those who don't know Christ. They walked into this room for whatever reason they're here, but they've never just said, Jesus, save me. That right now they would stop wrestling. That you would call them home by your grace to know you in a deep and amazing personal way. Your forgiveness mercy, your love. Lord, for the Christians in the room, that you would remind us again that we're not alone in this. Even when we feel alone, Jesus, you're with us. You're with us right now. You promised it. You promised it. With us to the end of the age. Thank you, Lord. So wherever we might go after here, whatever we might be doing, that we would be reminded as believers that you have a task for us to follow you. Follow you wherever we might be. Help us, oh Lord. Give this to you. Praise, thanksgiving, and glory. By your grace, we are healed. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing together and worship.